All right. Well, Father, we thank you for the word. <laughs> I feel like the, the plane started heading down and we're faster. Pull up, pull up. But Father God, you still want us to learn how to be men, godly men, the men of virtue, the men of courage, the men that run to the battle, not away from it. They know how to love you, love their family, love their children, love their church. And Father, you can count on them because there's something inside of them that they've grafted to the, to the wellspring, to the branch. And that, Father, they know from whom their life comes. So every time we come together, we need to learn a little bit more on how to be the man you've called us to be. And we rejoice in that tonight, Father. I ask you to anoint my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer, that I might write the oracles of God upon the tablets of the hearts of these men here tonight. And those that are listening around the world, welcome to our podcast tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, we are wrapping up on a series that we started called Fortify Faith. And if I go through the beginning again and you're at nauseum, don't want to hear the scripture one more, shame on you. It's always good to hear a scripture. Amen. But Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 2 in the Message Bible says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we cannot see. The act of faith is what distinguishes our ancestors and sets them above the crowd. Now the world, the flesh, the devil, Satan, Man, we're on the podcast. I can't say Democrats now. I can't, you know, I can't even put that out there. Said somebody coming out. Um, I didn't, no, I didn't. No, mention what? See, look, right? See, it, it's already been erased from the... <laughs> they seek to undermine, to weaken. Um, and ultimately, the plan is to destroy our faith. Wouldn't you agree that a faithless believer is, is in trouble? in every aspect of his life. His guards are all down. He has no ability to defend himself the way he needs to. So as we've looked at the word fortify, we've again using the dictionary as, as one of our sources to strengthen a place by building a military defense, walls, trenches, moats, things like that, to make someone or something stronger, to add mental or moral strength to, to give physical strength, courage, or endurance to. To fortify is to fortify, make something stronger, able to, to function, to do what it needs to do. Now, our scripture is Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, overflowing with gratitude. Now, We've been looking at, over the last several weeks, principles, the voice principle, the venture principle, the value principle, the vision principle, the vigilance principle, and the victory principle. Today, we're going to look at the last two, the vigilance and victory principles. Vigilance means alerted watchfulness, alerted watchfulness. When you're vigilant, you're on patrol. John and, and Dave could tell stories of the military that there were certain men that they had to be awake and they had to be alert or the boat or the camp were in trouble. 
Because if they decided to take a snooze or decided to take a, a cigarette break or they, they got distracted by what was around them, the enemy could use that as the weakness that would cause uh, uh, an overrunning of the camp or even a, um, a boarding of the ship. And so to be alert and to be watchful, it's a combination of two things. There are times I've known people are alert and then things went right by and they never saw it. They were alert, but they were alert for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. See, alert means you're looking. Watchfulness means you're targeting. And what you would be target, targeting, it, it, um, Ezekiel tells us that a watchman on the wall, his responsibility is to warn the camp of the enemy coming or to warn the camp of a blessing coming. But if the watchman does not warn the camp, all that would come against the camp will come upon him personally. Well, you say that's not fair. Well, we're believers. God picks what's fair and what's not fair. T.D. Jakes said favor is never fair. It always seems like the guy that doesn't deserve is getting it. But we, we have to understand that when God picks the strategy, he picks the people. And when he picks us, we should be grateful. We should be grateful even if the ministry that God calls us to lasts only one day. Maybe it's just to reach that one person or maybe it's to save somebody at our own expense. You can't ever measure success in ministry by longevity. You have to measure it by did we make a difference. At the end of your life, each of us, listen, nobody wants on our tombstone, we've talked about this before, that he had potential. Wouldn't that be the most sorrowful indictment that he had potential? I mean, you never did anything or you didn't do the right thing. But what we really want in life is to be at the end of our life, not, not uh, throngs of people mourning over our casket, you know, as, as, as we've, we're being carried down the hill. We want to know that the world was better because of our Christian faith. Even if we touch one person, 10 people, it doesn't really matter. Did we leave the world better? Hmm. Was it a better place because we were in it? And if we follow the principles of God, God will make sure that happens. We just can't write the script. Hmm. We can't choose our own glorious ending or who we... We have to be available. We have to be alert and watchful every day. Every day. We learned a principle, um, Family Miracle Night, that Joshua said, consecrate yourselves today because the Lord will do great and mighty things tomorrow. And that word consecrate in the Hebrew actually meant to qualify yourself for worship, Mm -hmm. to make yourself a worshiper. And so every day we should be consecrating ourselves worthy of worship to worship him because he makes promise. We do that today, he's going to do something great and mighty tomorrow. Okay, but if we're not careful, we'll try to define what great and mighty is. Let God decide that. And it may not be anything that crosses your radar. But if you did the right thing, he's going to do the right thing. There are are two types of covenants in Scripture. One is a unilateral covenant. The other one's a bilateral covenant. We use that terminology in contracts and legal things. A bilateral contract or covenant says, I'll do this if you do that. Like a a, a ball player, we will pay you this amount if you perform at this level. 
a unilateral contract or another bilateral would be a home. This how we are selling you this house for this amount of money. You pay this amount of money. We will give you the house. That's a bilateral contract. Governments engage in those all the time. A unilateral contract is very special because it doesn't require the one receiving it to do anything. Everything is on the one who offers it. God, in many scriptures, has unilateral covenants that are totally based upon what He does, not on what we do. Sometimes we try to participate in a unilateral contract, which is a wasting of our time. There's other time God asks us to do something, and we say, well, you're God, you just do it. <laughs> what he did with Joshua, that's a bilateral. If you'll consecrate, I'll do great and mighty things tomorrow. See, And so when we're vigilant and alert, God will actually reveal things that he wants to covenant with us because we're looking for something. We're watchful. We have our eyes tuned on what we want to see. Now, in modern psychology, vigilance is also a term called sustained concentration. It's defined as the ability to maintain concentrated attention over a prolonged period of time. I'll say that again because there are a lot of big words there. Vigilance was termed sustained concentration, it's defined as the ability to maintain concentrated attention over a prolonged period of time. Somebody that's a good watchman, he can be focused without daydreaming for a long time. A great athlete has the ability to concentrate during the entire game. Almost every sporting event is lost at one point because they can go back to somebody lost their concentration. They didn't do what they were responsible to do. On defense, you know, uh, covering a zone, blocking a hole, covering a, a receiver out of the backfield. On offense, missing a block, um, a receiver running a bad pattern. And when everybody is concentrating at a high level, it's a very crisp thing. It doesn't matter what sport it is. But almost all sports losses, if they go back, somebody lost their concentration for a moment. Somebody wasn't paying as close attention. And the enemy the Bible says, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. What does that literally mean? He's seeking somebody that's not paying attention, that isn't concentrated, that isn't watchful. There's another aspect of that same venue. The lion going for his prey, he doesn't go into the beast, he goes into his prey. The one that's left behind or can't keep up, and that's another type of what he just explained. Yeah, exactly. I watch uh, nature shows, and that's, every time I'm looking to see just which one is going to get caught, and it's always the lame, the sick, the slow. Right, right, right. Exactly. So, the now, if a mother of an animal is watchful and vigilant, then her child won't be the prey because he's weak or slow or, or unable. So many times when God calls us to be watchful and vigilant, it's not for us. It's for the people around us, our children, our, our nation, whatever falls into that category that God wants us to be. So biblically, we have to guard our hearts. We have to be watchful and alert and 
and kind of going back to what John was talking about a minute ago, that if we don't guard our eye gate and our ear gate, if we don't, who was it? It was uh, um, Job, I believe. He said, or Abraham, Abraham. One of the two, y'all can help me with this. I just remember the scripture. Lord, don't let my eyes cast upon the virgin. Yeah, yeah. That he understood that he had to have a, an agreement with God because he didn't have the ability not to. And sometimes we think, well, we'll just press on through. I'll discipline myself. Maybe stumble a hundred times, but eventually I'll get it. That issue with lust or that issue with pride or that issue um, with unforgiveness. And God says, no, make a covenant. Contract with me. And the way you do that is because you offer me your heart, your guarded heart. You have to, listen, when I was growing up, um, we didn't have air conditioning. It wasn't that old, and at least we had roofs, unlike John with the thatched uh, uh, tiki hut, that, um, that we would leave the doors open to let the breeze come through the house. I don't, I don't know where in Houston you would even consider leaving your front door open. You know, unless you're on the seventh floor of a, uh, 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 some penthouse like Bob has, you know, in, in, uh, <laughs> overlooking the, the Katie Mall, that, that you wouldn't leave your door open. And, and because now we have to be vigilant. We have to take the precautions. Part of my responsibility as a dad, it's not a big one, is before I go to bed, I make sure every door's locked. Every door's closed. I just do a walkthrough. <laughs> no, that, that, they, that once they turn 19, they have a certain right to, to stay up a little later. <laughs> but um, we are responsible to guard our hearts. Hebrews 11, verse 11. By faith, remember we're talking about fortified faith. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she was considered him faithful who promised. Part of guarding your heart is you have to believe what God said. Mm. The, it's one thing to have your eye gate open, your ear gate open, to, to listen to corresponding or uh, antithetic, antithetical things against your faith or whatever. You know, I've, I've had said, I love to watch, uh, uh, you know, YouTube presentations that go after the Christian faith. I said, you're, you're stupid. Because one day your guard may be down and what that person says is a lie, you actually start to believe. Don't put yourself in watch things that, that you know are, are harmful to your Christian faith because you think you know something that you like to watch it to prove you know something. You're going down. You're going down. You cannot cast your eye upon the virgin and not be moved by that. You have to covenant with your eyes and with your ears. And Sarah, who was well beyond the ability to have a child, she believed he who was faithful. She believed what God said. And when she believed what God said, then she had the miracle of having childbirth. Now, here's an interesting thing that you have to go back and read it. When Abraham was told that he and Sarah would have a child, her faith wasn't totally into it. The Bible says Abraham laughed because he's happy. 
Sarah laughed, but it was the laugh of unbelief. Her laugh was, ha, ha, ha. His laugh was, oh, ho, ho. You know, he believed. But she was very long in the tooth. They lived in a, 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 a nomadic Bedouin society. They roamed through the land. They were exposed to the elements. And their skin and just their lives were just sunbeaten to the point where they, they, were, they aged very quickly in an unprotected environment. But the promise came. Now, there was something that happened in Sarah's life where she could be okay and anticipate that child coming. Do you know what it was? God restored her ability to have a child, number one. But in order to do that, he had to return vitality to her life. Her life was rejuvenated. She became young again. There's a proof of that. Some king was going by, and if you saw an 80-year-old snaggletooth woman living in the desert, you ain't going to think twice about that unless you've got some problem. This king went, ooh. Remember, Abraham got in trouble because he said, if that's my wife, he's going to kill me. So that's my sister. He lied to protect Sarah, and God had a little deal with him there. But the evidence was this king saw something in Sarah that wasn't 80 years old anymore. So in order for her to be a, have a bountiful womb, he had to restore her entire body to carry the child and to nurse the child later. So when Sarah saw that every day in her mirror, if they had one out there, she got better looking, she began to believe that promise, and then she believed, and it didn't matter how long it would take, because she was how old when she conceived? 90, I believe. Yeah. And so God had to restore her youth, and it, it, sometimes the Bible's pretty hilarious if you're reading it, because you think about what an old woman looks like at that age, particularly in a, in a, a rough, a harsh environment, and this king went, hey. <laughs> and, and, and Abraham read, <laughs> and Abraham said, I'm a dead man, man, because he's going to, he wants her. And so he's going to have to, he's going to kill me if he finds out I, that I'm, I'm her. So God restored her youth so that she would be a vibrant mother to her child. And so because of that, she was coveted with God and she believed him who was faithful. But she also had to be alert and watchful and vigilant to take care of this restored youth, even though she didn't know at the time of the conception. Amazing stuff. Isaiah 21 verse 8 says this, Then the lookout called, O Lord, I stand continually day by day on the watchtower and am stationed every night at my guard post. In other words, day and night, vigilant, and he was letting the Lord know, I'm at my post all the time. And what was, what was the importance of that? Sometimes we tell God stuff that, uh, that God wants us to tell me about yourself. Hmm. And sometimes telling me about yourself actually builds your faith. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as bad as I think I am. I'm not as, as, as prone to blowing everything up like I... Because I think you all would agree, the worst critic of your life is yourself. Because you're the one that knows you. You know what you're capable of. You know what you're capable of thinking about. One of the, the, the amazing things is people come into a church, and the first thing they thought, they're going to find me out. 
because they're all perfect. They're worshiping God, mm -hmm. and I'm broken. I'm messed up. This is my third church in, in two years, and, and nothing's going right. No, man. Welcome home. Because <laughs> if there was a perfect church, number one, they would not, they, there isn't one. Number two, they wouldn't let you in. Mm -hmm. So we're all that way, a little bit broken, a little bit in, in that disheveled way. And sometimes God wants to hear what you say about yourself. That's why saying things over yourself is very powerful. And you don't have to make stuff up. You just go to Scripture. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm above only and I am not beneath. I'm blessed coming in. I am blessed going out. Whatever I set my hands to shall prosper. Wherever I put my foot, the Lord will give me the land. People will say of me that the Lord has blessed me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And God says, say those things. You're not bragging. Just say what the scripture says, and you'll actually begin to change your heart about yourself. And then you'll want to protect it, which makes you alert and watchful. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says this. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. So this person, not only he stood upon his guard, but he was also open to the Lord. Whatever the Lord would say. Sometimes God isn't going to speak to you until you get to the place where he speaks. Think about that for a minute. There are times where God will speak to you, but you've got to be in the proper place. The best illustration, welcome Cody. The best illustration of this is when Jehoshaphat saw the imminent slaughter of all of Israel by the, the, the vast army that was on the valley floor that looked like ants upon the ant floor, upon the floor. And he said, Lord, we're here with our families for you. We don't know what to do. And then God sent the prophet and said, this day the victory is yours because the battle is the Lord's. But he would have not heard that if he was hiding in the palace. Sometimes the place where God wants to speak to you is the place where you're at personal risk or your faith is at risk or you're witnessing to somebody or you're, you're, you're called into the office because um, somebody said you were proselytizing or, or you had your Bible on your desk or, or uh, um, as an example, a, a Fox uh, News hostess um, was was told to leave a restaurant because she was so bold as to pray over her meal before she ate. Mm -hmm. Aren't you glad you live in Spring, Texas? We pray every time we go out and have a bite. But she was told to leave the restaurant because she she made, put her faith out there. So that was putting herself at risk. Sometimes we want to hear God, but the first thing you have to say, I'm not hearing you, Lord. Then you have to do a quick review. Am I doing what the Lord told me to do? Am I, am I in the place where he can speak to me? Am I got my heart right with him that I can hear him? You have to do your internal analysis so that you can hear. And Habakkuk, he was on his post watching, but he also knew that when he was doing what God told him to do, whatever it is, it's just an example, that's where God speaks to him. So sometimes we're asking God to speak and we're in the middle of second nap. <laughs> or, or God, I need you to speak, and he's been speaking to you all day. You need to call that person and forgive them. Well, they didn't ask for forgiveness. I didn't say that. Call them and forgive them. 
Well, if I forgive them, then they're not, they're, they're not going to have to pay a price for it. Right? You just close the mouth of God. Because the moment you say no, or not now, or some other way, you're not going to hear his voice. So you have to be in the place that God wants you to, and that could be emotionally, mentally, physically, socially, relationally, whatever. You have to be in the place where you're where God told you to be so he could tell you what to do. Okay? Now, that's the vigilance principle. We need to be vigilant. There's a principle is an immutable fact that once we are vigilant, then we will see the reward of that vigilance. We'll see the result of it. Okay? Now, the next principle and the last one, and this is a part of the testimony of today, is the victory principle. A couple uh, uh, versions of 1 Peter 1, verse 7. This is the victory. So that the proof of your fort, I put the word fortified in italicies, it's my word added. This is the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The same scripture in the message. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through the suffering comes out proven genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith not your gold, that God will have on display evidencing his victory. God intends for you and I to have a victorious life. Doesn't matter what you're going through, victory is available every day. You can be in the worst possible moment in life and you can focus on the, the hardship of that moment, the fact that the, something happened, false accusation, car wreck, car stole, whatever. God says, ah, you can have the victory in this today. First John 5, verses 1 through 5 says this. Everyone, say everyone. Everyone. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we are loved, that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes in Jesus is the Son of God? This is the victory, our faith. Now, if we fortify our faith, and we fall, come against situations that, that, that are unchanged. Uh, they're just beyond hope. Do we give up? Do we go to the last? Do we say, well, that's just how the bureaucracy works. That's just how the government works. No. No, in that moment, we have to overcome by our faith. That gives us the victory. So the first thing that we need to do is get wisdom concerning your situation. What is your situation? Whatever your situation is. Mm. Whatever you're going through, whether it be a marriage, a, a child, a, a financial problem, a health problem, work at work, 
So you have to get wisdom because God will give you wisdom for every single situation you're in. There is nothing, no place, no situation that you're in that God doesn't have give you a wisdom on how to handle it. Even by your own hand. You could be, and I'm not speaking this in this men's group, maybe somebody on the podcast, you may have had one bad day and something happened at the job and, and, and two or three things happened, a flat tire, you got robbed while you're changing the tire, late for work, they fired you, so you decided to go out and get drunk and now you're in the drunk tank. And you could say, I'm a victim of everything that happened to me today, which God will not listen to you because your actions are your own. No matter what somebody else does, you're still held accountable for what you said, what you did. Or in the middle of that, you can cry out, Lord, I need wisdom, and he will give you the wisdom in the situation and even by your own hand. Sometimes the devil says we're exempt from the wisdom of God because we messed up. We erred. We did it wrong. We can't accept anything that maybe uh, God, you know, just not torching us or wrecking us. But no matter the situation, wherever you are, whatever you've done, by your own hand, by the hand of somebody else, seek his wisdom because there's a solution. Proverbs 4, verse 7. The beginning, I love this is one of my favorite gotcha scriptures. It's great. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. <laughs> Every translation, 4 and 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get some. Get wisdom, and whatever you do, get insight. Insight is understanding. We've always talked that, the, that wisdom is knowledge with understanding and application, because wisdom without an application is a thought that has no power. Whatever you have wisdom, you've got to do something with it. You have to activate it. This is part of the testimony coming. James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, there's only one small caveat. Don't ask God for wisdom for something he's already given you wisdom to do. If you didn't do it, there isn't going to be another answer. Go back and do the first thing. Sometimes we don't like the answer. It's humiliating. It's humbling. It's embarrassing. It means I've got to put it out there. It means I've got to take the hit. Lord, I really need wisdom. I already gave it to you. So he, if we ask for wisdom a second time for the thing he's already given, he will not give you anything other than the first answer. Okay? So here's four steps to put you in a position to fortify your faith with victory. Number one, make the decision. What is the decision? I will not be defeated. I will not quit. I will receive from God. That's a decision. I will not be defeated. I will not quit. I will receive from God. Romans 8, 37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This is a decision of quality. Whatever you're dealing with, you have to be able to tell yourself, I will not be defeated. I will not quit. I will receive from God. There's three I wills in there. Sometimes we're good with two or three. I will not be defeated, but we quit. I will not be defeated. I will not quit, but I don't know if God's going to do anything about it. I will not quit. I will receive from God, but I'm pretty defeated right now. And we've always talked about the power of death and life is in the tongue. 
This is the quality decision based on the promise found in God's word from which there is no retreat. Once you make the statement, you're stuck. You're going forward. Here we go with the testimony. I'll weave it in. We are leaving for the Caymans on Saturday morning. And it's a, it's a great ministry opportunity. I'm going to be preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, and also on, on Wednesday night. We're going, it's a, it's a work vacation. In other words, as an apostolic covering, we're going down there for a family vacation. They've been looking forward to it for a year. Finally, COVID, all these restrictions, everybody's pumped up. Vivian's never been, Cody and, and Molly haven't been in 10 years. Everybody's excited. So I go in and I get all the passports out because now I have to take the passport. They've got the numbers, but I have to send a picture of the passports, you know, uh, for, the, for the ticket record. I pull Cody's out. Passport expired mm. March of 22. I go online. 18 weeks is the average they're saying. It's less than that because some of you guys are going for it. I call the number, says if you need a passport within two weeks of travel, we're less than 48 hours from travel. And every answer was no, no. And so I am beating myself up. I don't make mistakes like this. I take care of everything with a spirit of excellence. And somehow his passport renewal got past me. And the main reason being, we've had that travel for uh, uh, years because of COVID, those type of things. So I called and, and, and I talked to people and basically, you know, he ain't going. You know, so I had to call Cody in the office and man, I, it crushed him. I said, Cody, your dad messed up, but you can't go on this trip. But I know I in whom I trust. I know in whom I believe. And the closest you could possibly get would be an emergency you can get it in 10 days from anything. So now I'm studying my notes when all this is happening. So I said, I will not be defeated. I will not quit. I will receive from God. And then all hell broke loose because everything said, this is a government bureaucracy. This is how things work. It doesn't go online, try whatever you want. There was only one last phone number to call that could get an emergency passport, but it required a child being abducted overseas. <laughs> so I did saw no reason for me to go to jail over this thing, okay? So the first thing is to make a decision. These are the four steps to getting the key of wisdom concerning your situate principles for victory. One, make a decision. I'm all in or I'm not in. I'm going with God. I'm not trying to get one foot in, uh, back in the boat and one foot on the water just in case it doesn't work. I'm going all in. I have to, whatever it is, <coughs> if you want victory over God, there is no middle ground. There's no hedging your bet. You're all in or you're not. Number two, take your stand in the grace and goodness of God. He's a good God. He's a merciful God. Romans 5, verse 2. Through him we have also obtained by access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Galatians 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand 
firm, therefore, and do not submit yourself to, again to a, lo- a yoke of slavery. Ephesians 6, having done all, sta- all stand firm. And having stand, stood firm, stand some more. All right? Fully expect, this is part of a victory principle, expect the glory of God to manifest in your situation. All of us, in theory, believe God can do anything in any situation till we're faced with the situation and the mountains are immovable. They're, they're entrenched. They're no, 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 no. That's all I received. No, no, no. So I called one last number for the downtown Houston passport office at 1919 Smith Street, an 832 number. First time I call, says, please leave a message. And then he goes, the message box is full and unable to leave a message. I mean, this is how it's going. But I'm, I'm finalizing my notes here. So I called again. This time a woman answers. And we have a conversation. And she's going to do everything she can. But she just wanted to talk to somebody. She works remotely. Her, she lives up here in Tonball. She's 63 years old. Her son has, has uh, uh, mental issues that make it very difficult. She can't get him a job. She's going to see this doctor. She starts telling me her whole story. And I'm going. Now, I'm smart to realize I've got a live voice, and we're talking about anything but passports right now. Okay? And woe unto me if I cut God short because somebody's not helping me. Come on, somebody. So I listen. And I listen for 45 minutes. And she says, well, what we can do, she would come back, she'd snap back into, we can, did you try this number? I said, yes, you know, here's the result. Nothing they can do. Did you try this number? I'm not calling the child abduction (laughs) emergency line, you know. And so she said, well, we can do this. Now, here, you help me, okay, get this form, the 1011 form or the 1082 form. Now, fill it out, but do it on Adobe where it says you can input the information. And so I want you to get that all filled out for me. And, and so, but you're going to need to come stand in line. And the line is wrapped around the building. And 80 to 90% of those people are just hopeless. They haven't filled in. They're just trying to get a passport, even if you have an appointment. And you'll never get in. But go ahead and do this. And so we're, then we still, we're back on her son. And I'm thinking, Lord, you know, I, I'm running out of time. I've got less than 48 hours. And everything says it's impossible mm. to get a passport that quick. Cody's not going. But I'm studying my notes. I said, nope, I'm taking my stand. I'm trusting in what God said. And yet now I'm faced with the reality of the legalities of the the the. Um, the State Department of the United States saying, we don't do this. We don't do this. We don't have another number for you to contact. The quickest we could do would be nine days. You know? And even she said, well, maybe I can help expedite it and we could get it back in four days. So would it be okay for him to travel next Thursday? So we're coming home, you know, from this trip. So my, my natural man is saying, you know, you messed up. You didn't check. You didn't verify. Your son's going to have to pay the price. You know, the last thing, you know, uh, we were going to do, he's old enough, he can stay home. Cody, take the hit, you know, 
and we'll do something special. Because I didn't want to sacrifice our whole trip, you know. He, then he would have felt bad about that. But it was all on me because I messed up. So I messed up. So, number three, give your attention to the Word of God. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all flesh. Joshua 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Good success. Good success. There's nothing about good success here. I blew it, but I know the word of God. And if I don't know the word of God, what have I been doing for the last 25 years? I'm <laughs> blowing smoke and you guys keep coming back. No, I study. I, I pay attention to the word. I learn what the word means in different languages. I try to bring, I hope that in, in, the, in the, the 26, 27 years now teaching a men's group, 25, that you haven't gone, so, oh, he taught that two, two years, 10 days ago. First of all, you'd be amazing if you could remember that clearly. <laughs> but I hope that every time you come on Thursday night, it's fresh. You know Sometimes, if it was done by my natural man, I would have worn out a long time ago. But I depend on him to bring the relevant word on Thursday nights that blesses. Okay? But you shall have great success. So we're just about done with the phone conversation. And she says, I, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to, you know, thank you for talking, you know, my son. And, and, and I never told her what I did. I wasn't about to play a stupid card like that. Okay, there was no reason for that. That wasn't going to cause an influence. That might even made her feel bad. She couldn't help the pastor or whatever. But I listened to her, and I gave her value. And I didn't tell her what to do with her son, just agreed and listened and let her talk about these things. Then the last thing she said, it just kind of, it was a, like a goodbye statement. She said, you know, you know um, maybe your congressman can help you. And that was the end of the conversation. We said our goodbyes, pleasantries, right? So I have no way to get through. No, I, I don't even know who my congressman is. Mm. All right. No. You won't because he wasn't ever a judge. He was a military guy named Dan Crenshaw. That's your oh, congressman. That's all of our congressmen. Okay. But he, all right, here. Dan Crenshaw is our congressman, Kingwood Woodland Spring area. Okay. So I thought, well, I'm going to see. For number one, I want to put my zip code in. Who is my congressman? Okay. And then gives me an office in Washington. Then he has an office in Kingwood, and they're like this. And then something said, pursue it. Just pursue it. So my fourth point was, and these are the keys to the victory principle, refuse to speak words contrary to what you believe you have received. That's a very interesting one. You have to declare a thing and believe it. All year long, guys, every Sunday, decree and declare. Decree and declare. Decree a thing and it will be established and light will shine upon your ways. Mark 11, verse 23 through 24. 
Truly I say to you, whatever you say to this mountain, be taken up, thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe, I'm about to get emotional, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Refuse to give place to the devil or entertain his thoughts. Mm. James 4, verse 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Those are the four keys to the victory principle. So I go online, Tavier's there, and there's a 281 number, and it's to his office. And a young woman answers the phone. At Dan Crenshaw's office, how can I help you? So without laying out a sad, soppy story, I said, I'm responsible. I was given the impression you might be able to help. And she goes, who gave you that, that impression? And I said, that the death name? She works at the 1919 Smith um, Street Passport Facilitation thing. Oh, okay. This is my situation. She goes, well, I'll send you a form. A government form. Yeah. On the form, the form was a disclaimer that what I'm about to say was true. And I said, this is, I did not renew my passport, my, my son's passport. Uh, we are getting ready to take a trip on Saturday morning. It's Thursday. We have no hope. Is there anything that your office can do? She texts me back. She goes, let me check a few things. She sends an email back to me an hour later. You have an appointment at 9.30 in the morning. You get there with this information, and your son will have his passport in his hand by 2 o'clock in the wow. afternoon. Wow. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I didn't influence by my faith. I, I was in desperation mode. But of all things, I'm practicing, or not practicing, I'm studying for tonight for my delivery, and I'm having to live out every bullet point. So my faith is stirred by what I'm sharing with you. And I did what I'm teaching you to do right now. And so 9.30 tomorrow morning, Tavier will be down there with him with everything filled out. And the lady said, here's how you get past this until you get past this. And says, and then at 9.30, you'll be in. They will take the information. We have already told the passport office they are required to look for you guys tomorrow morning. <laughs> and they said, and you'll have his passport in your hand. Now, there was a condition. You've got to do everything I'm emailing you to do. You've got to get this form filled out. You've got to get this form filled out. You have to, have, you have to bring, you know, you have to bring a check, you know, for this amount, for this type of thing. And she said, even do it this way. Fill out completely the renewal passport, but also fill out the form for a brand new passport. Take them both in. But she said, your son will have his passport in his hand tomorrow afternoon. Wow. Come on, guys. That's Come on. Come on. Yes. Ain't got nothing to do with magic, brother. I'm sorry. This has That's everything to do with, with that, that what government agency can overrule the plans of God. It wasn't by my wisdom. It wasn't by my tenacity. I'm hitting myself with a rubber hammer 
Stupid, 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 stupid. How could you let this get by? You should have known better. You should have checked these things four or five months ago. You've had this trip planned. That's what, I, all I'm, that's what we all do. That we, we beat ourselves up for the thing we didn't do. But at the same time, I'm reading my notes and, and, and thinking about the word tonight. And because of that, I was attentive and watchful because the last statement this lady made to me, maybe your congressman can help. And that was her exit strategy from the phone call. Mm -hmm. How am I ever going to get a hold of the congressman? He's in Washington, D.C. They're there right now. You know, he represents everybody here. But then he called. And I said, and I told Tavier, we, he even sent a letter, well, their office sent a letter on his letterhead explaining that we thank you, here's the procedures, that he has already made contact with the passport office, even bring, it's on his letterhead with his signature. Now, it's got her initials because um, when you have an executive secretary, they can put their initials which, and his initials, which mean they signed for him. And I told Tavier, I said, you know, Dan Crenshaw didn't have a thing to do with this. We give God the glory. But I said this also. When a man has, is a man of integrity, he hires people that, that reflect him. Yeah. He's a believer. And these people were professional but compassionate. They didn't rubber stamp anything. They had a heart and they looked into it, which tells me that he hired, the people he hired reflect him. He has, he's nothing if the people around him don't reflect who he is, right? Is God anything to the world if the Christian doesn't reflect the goodness of God? Mm. So I'm telling you this story. Now, we got a long way to go until tomorrow afternoon. All right? But we're, we're not going to think about what the enemy can do. We're not going to worry about it. We're not going to fret about it. The very fact that we have a letter from our congressman, and no matter what you think of congressmen or senators, and we know all the squirrely things, their office gives them an inordinate amount of power over the government. You don't have to like the congressman, but the Constitution guarantees authority that the, that the government has to respond to him. He is our representative, and as our representative, he has authority over the governmental machine when it comes to us, no matter what it is. Okay, So, I mean, and she was just the sweetest thing. Take this thing. You have an appointment. They are expecting you at 9.30 tomorrow morning. Get there early, but they know you're coming, and your son will have his passport in his hand by tomorrow afternoon. Now, I'm telling you the story, and it is unbelievable, um, but here's the, the thing that I want to bless you with as we end tonight. All this problem was my fault. I'm not asking God to, to, to take care of what somebody else did to us mm -hmm. or we got a false report or somebody lied about something. I'm the one that's, that, that, that no. There's nothing, there were, you know, guilty implies a criminal act. I'm not guilty of anything other than negligence. Okay? But God said, what a great place to shine for you. As I'm telling you that story, guys, what in your life has God said, God done, or hasn't done that other people have said no? 
You'll not get that promotion. You'll not have that job. You'll not have that. And God said, well, wait a minute. I've got some principles for you because all you got to do is say to the mountain and not doubt in your heart. The whole time I'm doing this, there's doubt in my heart because I know how things work. Come on. Can you all uh, agree with me in that? This is bureaucracy. This is what, and this is not going to happen. And yet I'm teaching the principle. So I'd feel, and I even felt this thing, God, I got to go as far as I can. Cause I can't teach this tonight. I'll be a hypocrite. <laughs> and I'm more worried about how, what you think about me than I am anything else. <clears throat> so the whole point of these fortified faith, and you have to see only God could have this be the final word spoken at the end of the series. And on the day I have to bring it, I have to live it. And I lived it, and it was not by me. It was the grace of God. But then the Lord whispered something into my heart, and this will finish with this. He said, when a man's ways please God, I will set him before great men. Speak loud. When a man's ways please God, I will set him before great men. And my father, my dad in heaven said that to me today. And that's not an arrogant statement. That isn't to make you sound puffed up. He said to me, my ways please him. And because they please him, the scripture said, I'll set you before. What is a great man is a man that can make a decision. When everything says no, that man can say no. Here is a secretary that probably never didn't even contact her boss, but she had implied authority as working in that office because if, if the representative had to make every decision, he'd be overwhelmed. He wouldn't be able to handle anything because he got thousands of decisions probably every day. And I got something for you. Her job title is over Veterans Affairs. By the congressman's office. She's the one that can override the VA. We'll talk about it later. But that's her job title. She took the call because she answered it. But there's other people in the office. So I was struggling. I'm beating myself up. And then God just, it, the, the sequence of events is too extraordinary, isn't it? But God made a way, and then all of a sudden, where there was absolutely no way. Now, the prayer and the battle is, because we know the enemy is coming in the middle of the night. He's going to want to trip something up. He's going to try to do something, because he didn't give it up. He, he's relentless. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory. And the victory is won by our faith, fortified faith. Can we give the Lord a hand clap tonight? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs>